Welcome to the Marketing Home, Marketing You podcast. Week after week, Barbara Savona of Sprout Marketing brings you quality conversations with industry leaders, mini marketing workshops, and step-by-step guides on everything marketing, business, and career growth. So grab a cup of coffee and get ready for some outside-the-box ideas from the girl that lives inside the shipping container box. Hi, friends. Welcome to this week's episode of Marketing Home, Marketing You. I'm your host, Barbara Savona, and I'm so happy to be back with you guys. So last week, I was at the AIM conference, and I had plans, very ambitious plans, to actually record a live podcast and release it last week with whatever was you know happening at AIM on Monday to release on Tuesday. But it just was way too much. The conference was so good, but we had so many commitments that I just made the executive decision to say, we'll just recap today and I'll share everything that we that we really kind of took away from the conference. It can be applied or just maybe it needs to be on your radar as an on-site team or a marketing director that maybe did not get to attend. And really, if you didn't get to attend, the conference is really made up of very heavy on the marketing and operations side. It's a lot of marketing directors, VPs of marketing. Uh, there's a lot of tech companies there and operators that are kind of wanting to hear what's happening in the marketing space. And so it's not uncommon that as a property manager or even part of a smaller marketing team, you may not get to go to these conferences. This is my second year attending. And I thought to myself, if I, if I was uh, an on-site team, what would I have wanted to, what would I have gotten out of it that could apply to me? Or what would I want to know that's happening? Typically, these conferences are sharing things that are going to be happening in the next year, the next two years. And it's really interesting because last year, attending my first conference, there was a lot of talk about still social media. There was a lot of talk about search engine optimization. And this conference, there was not one session, at least not that I saw, that was strictly focused on social media. If I was a fly on the wall and didn't know anything about the industry or marketing, there were two phrases that I would have definitely been very familiar with by the end of the conference. And that was AI (laughs) and centralization. And that was really the theme of the majority of the sessions. And there were other things in between. There were other little breakout sessions. I think what's really cool about this conference, and I was sharing that with someone, So year one, I felt like kind of like a little baby bird that had just been thrown out out of the nest. And I was a little bit green and didn't know how to take all the um, valuable time of the conference and really utilize it. And this year, I realized that the sessions are very valuable, but a lot of the great conversations are happening in that time where there's designated networking time. There's roundtables at breakfast where people are just kind of talking and sharing with what they're doing. And then there's also events that are happening, you know, offsite after hours where people have a little bit more of that time to just connect and chat. And so I gained a lot of value from that, too. Just from a personal experience, the conference is always in Huntington Beach, at least as far as my knowledge is. And it's beautiful. We stay at a hotel a couple of um, a couple of hotels down. And it's kind of nice because you get to go and interact with everyone. And then when you're all peopled out. We can go back to our hotel, which is super nice, had a really fun vibe, and then kind of disconnect from everybody, regroup as a team, and then head back to the conference. Um, This year, Lauren went with me. Uh, Our newest sales director, Marissa, went with me. He's also a really close friend. And then I had convinced my sister, Marcy, who worked with us for 
10 years of Sprout to come with us just to have like a mom's time away. So she didn't go to the conference. She just hung out with us at the hotel. And um, she did go to one of our client parties that we had, I think, on Monday night. We did a really cool offsite yacht party where they went around the harbor. And it was a smaller, you know, I say smaller, there was still like 80 people, but it was four other vendor partners. We partnered with Zumper, BetterBot, and Real Inc. to host an offsite event. And that was really cool. So um, we laughed so much. And I, I'll tell you that going to a conference with your friends who you also work with is just a lot more fun. And I kind of had a cool experience thinking about this conference because it was a reminder, you know, Sprout's been around for 14 years, but it was started by me by myself. Lauren joined me a year later, and then I kind of did things exactly the opposite of how people did. I hired friends, I hired family, and I have loved that philosophy because I love spending time with the people that I love. And that has worked out well for me. Um, and what was really cool is having people come up to us. And especially with Marissa, a newer employee being there, getting to hear people coming up and saying, oh my gosh, I have never met you. I've followed Sprout for the last 10 years, or I heard, you know, I heard you speak at a conference 12 years ago and I've been on your newsletter list. And that was just very, it just feels really good to know that as a company and as a team that we started so tiny and we are, we're still a very small team to have connections all over the United States that have been made over the years just by consistently showing up to serve on-site teams that many of them started out in leasing or as property managers. Now they're in the marketing department or in the operational role and they're still following our work. That was very uh, just fulfilling. So that was a cool experience for all of us. And it it never gets old to meet new people that know all the things that we've been doing because they've been following along. And then you get to meet them and hug them in real life, which is just so cool. So anyway, I'm sorry I went long-winded on that. Um, I just wanted to share a side benefit of those conferences that maybe isn't always expressed or isn't always seen as the, the network behind what we do and just it's so fun getting to talk to you guys on a weekly basis on the podcast, but getting to meet you in person and hear about what you're struggling with or what you're succeeding in, that is just super cool. So back to the conference, it started off and the keynote was with a speaker and I, he was a, an author, David Boyle, really interesting character um, who wrote a book about uh, how to use uh, chat GPT. And he then co-authored a book with Mike Whaling and um, Holly Beckham with um, 30 Lines and W.C. Smith. I got to speak with them last year. They're just a dynamic husband and wife team, one on the supplier side, one on the operations side. And they partner to write a book with prompts using ChatGPT for multifamily housing. So that was the keynote. And then they did a session the next day that was more um, almost like a hands-on workshop of prompts that you could use to help inform your marketing and how to find out who your target audience is. And so I'm going to see if maybe Michael let me share that link and in the blog, the resource for those prompts. So that's kind of, that really set the tone. Hey, this, this conference is going to be talking a lot about AI and chat GPT. And it got me thinking and wondering how many of you on the onsite teams have created a chat GPT account, have started to play with AI. Maybe through some of your vendor partnerships, you are seeing that they're integrating AI into their platforms. 
I would highly encourage if you haven't yet to get on ChatGPT and start experimenting with how you can use it. In fact, in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to have a couple of other people on talking a little bit more about it. The question becomes with AI and centralization, two things that are hitting our industry kind of at the same time and at a rapid rate is, is this something that is going to replace the jobs of property managers, of leasing agents, of marketing directors? Like, is this changing the way we're doing things? Is this replacing people? And what I walked away with is that it is definitely changing the game. And what it's still, you know, people are kind of definitively taking a stand. No, they're not replacing jobs or yes, this is, you know, going to be a huge disruptor. And I'm still in the middle, a bit undecided. Um, I think it's going to do a little bit of both. I think that it is important that even as a property manager, you might be thinking, oh, this is really a corporate initiative. I don't think so. I think if you're a leasing professional, I think if you're an on-site manager, I think if you're in the marketing for sure, that you should familiarize yourself with ChatGPT and start really learning and seeing how you can utilize it in your job to maximize what you're doing, to improve what you're doing, and to really kind of fuel some of the things that that are going to be happening in the next few months. I think the most surprising thing about this technology is that even as like other things like say social media, adoption took a little bit of time. There were those early adopters. And with AI, I think the changes that are happening and the improvements in the platform that are happening are happening so fast that we're just going to see changes quicker because simply the technology is advancing quicker and companies are thinking about how is this going to impact us. The other thing that I walked away with is that it's still not clear what centralization actually is to everybody, right? It's, or not that it's not clear. It's like it means different things to different people. So some were coming on and talking about centralizing things with the on-site teams. Some were talking about centralizing processes or centralizing um, marketing, right? So taking marketing 100% off of on-site teams, doing it with a marketing department and and basically having one team in a sense, centralized all their efforts that are across their portfolio. Others are taking roles like the assistant manager role or the maintenance role, and they're pulling those offsite and they're creating these centralized teams that can then deploy and use resources across entire portfolios. And that works if those portfolios are close together, if there's, you know, if they can do it with ownership, you know, there's a lot of nuances and that was really highlighted. Um, I think both are still, in a sense, buzzwords. They're what everyone's talking about and people are still trying to figure out. And even the experts, it's like, how expert can they really be? Um, people are just, you know, figuring those things out. And But I think that as an on-site team member, if it was me and I was a property manager or a leasing agent at this time, I would be really getting interested in these conversations. I would get interested in the technology and I would go outside of the industry and see how other industries are using it how I could be an early adopter to, you know, think about some of these things. So like, for example, getting on chat GPT and saying, I am a property manager. What are ways that I can use AI technology or getting on there and asking, you know, this is the location of my community and give me some ideas for events that my residents would be interested in. I mean, just starting to play around with it. Earlier today, I said, I'm a leasing professional and I am uh, overcoming an objection or need to overcome an objection of the price is too high with my compared to my competitors. How can I provide a good response? 
Last week, I tried saying, I have a very difficult resident. How do I respond in a way that is not confrontational, but that sets boundaries and that gives this message, you know, overall? And the responses are interesting. Some are kind of like, mm, totally sounds robotic. Some are really good. And then you keep kind of playing around with it until all of a sudden you have something that's like really good. It's a combination of your thoughts. And the thoughts, you know, the, the information from AI and you're using it to continue to iterate and get some really good data. So if you haven't played around with it, I definitely encourage you to do that. So going back to the actual prep program, one of the sessions that I absolutely loved on centralization specifically was one that was called Centralize, Automate and Scale Your Customer Journey. Let's see, using automated workflows. Two of the speakers I know personally. Personally, um, Arthur Kosmider with um, LaFrock, and then uh, our client and good partner, uh, Joya Pavesi with uh, RKW Residential. And I'm not sure if I said the last name right. Um, but there was also Lynn Klug with Graystar and then Rukas, I believe, with uh, Avalon Bay. And they have this really interactive panel that was talking about their different approaches to centralization. And they really talked about how marketing teams are just being tasked with taking care of marketing for so many communities. So how do they cut costs? How do they drive leases? How do they really improve customer satisfaction? Because it's falling heavy for many on the marketing department. Many are given crazy large portfolios and now they're still stretched thin. And so they're going to talk about their different experiences or they did talk about how lean marketing teams can make this work. And I'll share just a couple of things. They shared, um, you know, their a, a formula or a, I would say a framework maybe, and it was the word chair. And so their approach was centralize, humanize, automate, infuse, and then repeat. And so they were looking at processes, looking at different functions that could be centralized, then added what was the part that still needed that human touch, what pieces could be automated. And then to me, the part that I want to talk about is where would they infuse? And for them, the infusing was infusing that AI component. And so they did this virtual leasing pilot. And I thought the statistics were really telling. So what was great about using an AI kind of a approach to help with this leasing is that 100% of prospects received immediate response. They found that 26% of tours were scheduled by AI. But here's what's interesting. 72% of those tours were scheduled by AI after hours, which led to a 50% increase in the tour to lease conversion. So with 10% less leads, they were able to schedule 4% more tours. That's exactly what companies are going to be looking at is how can centralization paired with AI function, how can they have less leads, more qualified leads actually lead to higher conversions to longer, you know, to, to actual leases. And how can they do that to meet the renter wherever they're at in their journey? So we know our office, our offices close at a certain time, right? We want to sleep, but AI doesn't need to sleep. And so while people are at home and they're looking for an apartment, can they seamlessly schedule a time to come and tour using AI technology? And I think we're just going to see more and more of this. Then the last piece of it was to repeat and optimize. And so Graystar shared this, uh, really this program that they're launching and it's called LTD and it's a tech-centric apartments in their words and a process, it says tech-centric apartment and processes runners prefer. 
self-service to the max, minimizing property expenses. So these are communities that are being launched and piloted as really self-serve, almost start to finish. And what's interesting is the benefits that they're really sharing or their marketing is that because of their ability to do things so efficiently, and I guess with you know a lot less people, rent increases will be set according to the consumer price index or capped at a 5% increase. So that means for the renter that they're walking in knowing that when it comes time for renewal, they'll know way ahead of time approximately what their rent increase is going to be. So their tagline, which I think is great, is reasonable rate. You'll know way ahead of time, not days before paperwork is due. And I think they have several pilots. You can look it up. It's LTD. Really interesting. One of the people asked, like, why did you all decide to not just make this like a subset? Why does it have its own brand? They're really talking about how they want this to stand on its own and it really to become known when people see that LTD that this is a totally different way of renting apartments. So get on their website. I think this is a great way to keep up with what they're doing, seeing one of the leaders in our industry and results will, will follow. We'll see what exactly happens. So their centralization blueprint at the end was do a thorough assessment of what you're currently doing, develop clear centralization strategies, like where can you potentially centralize, then invest in tight technologies and tools. That was really emphasized. And it was interesting because not in this session, but in others, a lot of the conversation was, you know, some people, ownership is saying, Ownership is hearing the buzzword of centralization too. And they're saying, oh, maybe we need to centralize. But when they run the numbers and adding the different technology pieces for some companies, it actually does not make financial sense to centralize and to automate and to do a few things because adding some of that technology on some cases is equally or more expensive than just continuing operations as usual. So that was interesting to hear that side of the coin as well. The next one after investing in tight technologies was to establish clear roles and responsibilities. That was another piece that I saw often talked about was there is still, as, it, as with anything new, blurred lines of where should certain responsibilities fall when you're centralizing things. And then monitor, evaluate, and adjust, and partner with vendors. So these guys were so knowledgeable. They were so transparent. They talked about, this was one of the sessions that actually they shared, yes, we do see this as changing the way that the job makeup is going to be. There will be some people that will no longer be employed. And it really made me think about how, in a way, centralization AI is almost like how it is in a recession. So in a recession, what I have found to be true is winners rise to the top in a recession because there's opportunity. And people that are winners and are looking for opportunity, even when times are tough, they kind of find where there's the piece that can work to their advantage, where others that are maybe floating along and they've kind of been doing the status quo when a recession hits, you know, they've been kind of resting on their laurels. And this is why I used to always say to even leasing professionals, I would say, you may not think that a recession will hit you, but, but if you've been coasting and you've got good leasing numbers because, you know, the economy, I mean, you're basically leasing to anybody that walks in the door. It's so easy. It's not difficult. And you're not sharpening your skills. A recession will will show that. Right. And so to me, I'm always like, use that time when things are good to continue to develop those skills. 
I think that's exactly what's going to be happening during um, this, which would which we're going to see a major shift with technology advancing at the rate that it is and centralization being something that many companies are looking at. So I know I've been all over the place. Can you tell I'm kind of like, I'm excited. I'm, I'm a little nervous. I mean, I, I think anybody that says that they're not, is, you know, I mean, good for them. I think this is just, I'm a little nervous to see how it's going to play out for everyone, right? I think I'm I'm more leaning on the excited, but I think that there's just a lot of unknowns and there's always a little bit of like that nervous energy that comes with like, how does this all play out? But I think we just get into it and we start seeing how we can use it. Okay, so there was another great session that I thought was really interesting. It was titled Centralization, Centralization <laughs> Strategies, the CMO's Role. But what I got from this session, so it was talking about how marketing is playing a part in the centralization conversation. Um, Rachel with Quad Real and Clay Hicks with the Dinnerstein companies and Tina Mortero with Bizzuto, um, they had this great panel discussion and it was very like back and forth. Everybody could ask questions, but they were sharing actually some tips on how marketing can communicate with the C-suite. And I thought this actually works for how property managers should communicate with their regionals, with their supervisors, more, of course, on communication. And this was what was shared from the uh, the role of, you know, Clay Hicks is the president of, of the company, and he's sharing how he likes to receive updates. So this is what he said. He said, send updates to um, your C-suite monthly in simple talk. Sometimes we try to write and we try to sound like we're so much smarter. We're doing all these initiatives. He said, it's not just that. He said, you know, the language of operations versus marketing, they're like two different languages. He literally said, he's like, y'all use all these different acronyms and we don't necessarily, we're not using that in our lingo. He's like, so, so don't use acronyms. Actually tell us exactly in simple layman's terms what you're doing and what the results are. He said, and also help us to kind of pitch for you in our ownership meetings by sharing statistics. What's working? What are the wins? help us to continue to sell the value that we are bringing to ownership. And so I thought that was really good. And remember that information, so much of it is coming from what our on-site teams are doing. So if you're on-site, I would say a skill to get really good at, and you can even play around with how AI can help you do that, is get really good at writing what is happening, the data, the things that you're doing, the wins, the successes testimonials, little things like that, because and float them up to your next supervisor. Your supervisor will share them. These will be wins that will get shared up the ladder. They help you um, become known in your company, but they also help every single layer kind of sell up what is happening. And it just helps to shine a light on what onsite teams are doing. So I thought that was really good. And so kind of going back and forth, just usability, I might write like, in myself, like very simple, like here's what was going on at our community. I might drop that in chat GPT and say, help me write this in a way that is compelling, that really uh, translates, that helps to uh, highlight the value of what we're doing. I am sharing this with a regional supervisor or an executive, and I need this to be, you know, um, in bulleted form that's easy to read and easy to digest. See what it spits back at you. Sometimes the way that it writes the framework or what it highlights or some of the language is just really sharp. So it'll help you even improve in your communication skills. The other thing that was shared, and this isn't obvious, but sometimes again, it's human tendency to do this. It's that if you don't know the answer to something, admit it. If we're a team, we cannot solve problems with dishonest facts. So it's a don't over-exaggerate wins. 
Don't underplay things that are a serious issue. As a team, everyone needs to know what's going on and I need to be able to trust your intel. And I think that goes across the board. Okay, one of the next sessions is actually one that I got to co-present on. I was with Stephanie Graves of Q10 Property Advisors and uh, Jay Red Redding Redinger <laughs> of Poo Print, who is such a, I mean, so much fun. We had such a great time and it was the down and dirty on how to market sustainability. I'm going to do a different, a full like, presentation or session on this, but basically it was all about ESG. So it was environmental. So in E, think about the, the planet, how we do good for the planet. S is social. So that's our people. And then G is governance. And that's basically business. And so the ESG model is saying that if we do what's right, if we do what is good for the planet, for the people and for business, that all across the board, things will profit and it'll be a way of giving back. So it's Everything from our recycling programs to transparency and hiring, our demographics, our pay scale, uh, you know, a blend of having equal opportunities, you know, events that we're doing in our community that are giving back to the planet, that are giving back to people's mental health. It's so many things, right? And I think the biggest takeaway that I got from presenting and preparing this is so many of us already have ESG initiatives or things that we could highlight in our marketing. So. If you're doing community garage sales that help to, um, you know, reduce waste where people can maybe do community swaps even, or if you're doing a community garden or you're doing events on food and sustainability, those are ways that you can market that you are an ESG friendly community. If you're replacing light bulbs with LED light bulbs, if you're doing the low flow water, if you're, you know, having landscaping that is kind of that zero scape where it's like oh, takes a lot less water or native plants that are, thrive in that environment. Maybe you're using uh, cleaning materials that use less chemicals or your paint is, uh, you know, uh, higher quality where there's, again, less chemicals. There's so many different ways. Um, if you're doing initiatives where people can, you know, do ride shares or they're close to public transportation or bike shares or you have you know, charging stations for electric cars that, um, you know, all these different things, you can really start to look and say, how do we weave that into our marketing? And one of the biggest, um, I think, marketing tips is to remember that, you know, while people many times, that is an important thing into the younger generation, all of these initiatives are a lot more important. Not everybody's willing to pay for them. So how do you weave them into your marketing stack where, it's something that residents can feel good about. It's part of their identity, but they're not necessarily having to pay more. So it's kind of like that high rise that has this great rooftop pool. Residents might love it. They might love to tell their friends that they live in a community that has this awesome pool. Do they necessarily want to see a line item that is like an extra charge for this pool? Absolutely not, right? It's the same thing with ESG. They want to have a part of it. They want to be part of a community that gives back. Do they necessarily want to see a charge for ESG? Not necessarily, right? We'll see how that evolves. People say they might be willing to pay more. Do they actually? Or is it something just like pet friendly that we can weave in and show how we're giving back? And so we shared a lot of really tangible examples. I will share um, more on that soon. Another session I really enjoyed, Turnover the New Pandemic is Marketing the Cure. And this is a really great session. Uh, Tyler and Christy, a couple of my friends did this one. Just a couple of principles that came from this is how a lot of the same things that we're doing to market our communities, we can use to market 
our jobs, right? Showing a day in the life of what people are actually doing when they work in our communities. Really marketing things, um, having testimonials with videos. Videos really emphasize people want to see what it's actually like to work for your company. They want to see real people talking about the real benefits. And so getting creative, it doesn't have to be crazy expensive. I think that was one of the fun things. It's just like these little videos of like, hey, I'm leasing professional ads at Jim Shutter Apartments. Come with me for a day in the life. That now becomes used in the marketing. And so I thought that was just really fun. Um, and it was something that could be incorporated into recruitment efforts. So we're all struggling sometimes to find these great employees. And a lot of times we just have to take our marketing hat that we do for getting residents and we've got to put it and use it um, in a way that attracts potential potential employees to work for us. And how cool, because they get to really see what it's like. So they're walking in with eyes wide open. Okay, so one last piece that I loved, and I kind of saved this little quote for last, and I feel terrible because I don't have who actually said it, but about AI, someone said, automate the routine and humanize the experience. That was like my biggest takeaway. It was like, what are the things that are routine that can be automated that AI can use? And then where can we add the human experience that is going to be essential? This is something I've been thinking about a lot. You know, um, when I get a handwritten note now, it's super special because it hardly ever happened. When I have a phone call with a friend that I love and we just like talk and we laugh, it's special because a lot of times we're just texting, right? I don't want to talk on the phone all the time. I wouldn't want a handwritten note all the time. But now those experiences, because they're rare, become special. And I've talked about that for years. It's, I mean, everyone knows that. The more rare something is, the more valuable it is. So as marketers, as operators, as property managers, leasing professionals, looking at what we do on a daily basis and saying, where can we automate the routine? You know, I think about like something like email. How can I use ChatGPT to come up with really good email templates that work where, you know, I'm not having to rewrite the same thing over and over, but I've got a really good email template, but then I can humanize by adding a little something that I learned about that resident or that prospect that makes it very personal. So it's not, you know, in my mind, it's like, it doesn't make it inauthentic. You're sharing the core information, like kind of like the nuts and bolts of things in an email. But then there's that piece that you paid really special attention to. And you're able to elevate because you're not having to put all your brain power to all the minutia, all the like little stuff. So I love that idea about automating the routine thing, automating the things that we do all the time, but then really elevating our human experience. And, you know, I think about one of my favorite moments at AIM was going for a walk. We did, you could do these little meetups and I scheduled a little meetup. And I think 15 people ended up coming on a Monday morning, Monday morning walk on the beach, which was awesome. And a lot of these people are people that I knew online, but are never connected to in real life. There was, there's no way to automate the feelings and the conversations that came out of that, right? Now, these are people that, yes, I'll see online, but like now I know them in person. I know what they look like. I know how they laugh. I know how they smile when they're thinking. I mean, it's like, I know them. And it just made me think about how special that is. Like there's so much that is getting automated that is getting, you know, I was going to say robot, robot, like done with robots, right? Done with, you know, technology. And I think we'll be able to feel some of that. And then I think what it'll do is we'll really yearn for those connections. So should we be scared of AI and centralization? I think we should be challenged by it. I think we should be, you know, I think we should be excited, but I think we should challenge ourselves to say, what are the things that only I can do that no robot will ever be able to replace? 
Let me double down there. Let me see how I can use this robot as my sidekick, my partner to help magnify what I'm doing. And let me be open to learning. I think people that kind of bury their head in the sand and say, I don't want this to happen. It's a lot like the people that said, oh, social media, I'm, you know, I'm not, we're not doing that at our community. Years later, they're on there, but they're five years behind everybody else. So don't be afraid of it. Be curious about it. And I'm excited to see how this evolves. And over the next few weeks, my plan is let's have more conversations around it. Let's get really practical, practical about how leasing professionals can use it. How about property managers, marketing teams? And I'm open to so many ideas and conversations. So if you've had experience or you're playing around with it and you've got some great ideas, reach out to me. You can always email me at barbara at watchyourbusinesssprout.com. Stay tuned for a lot more great episodes highlighting what AI can do. But I promise you here at Marketing Home, Marketing You, you will always be the secret sauce. We will always be talking about the people. After all, we are multifamily, not multi-AI. And I cannot wait to see how those of us that are excited about embracing technology, but also elevating the human experience are going to pair these things together. Okay, guys. So it's a little longer than I thought, but there was a lot to cover. The AIM conference was awesome. I can't wait to go next year. And um, if you have any questions on anything we talked about, hit me up with an email, connect with me on Instagram. Um, I'm at, at Sprout Marketing, or I'm also very active on LinkedIn. And I'll see you guys next week with another episode of Marketing Home, Marketing You. See you soon, guys. <laughs>